Good morning. If I haven't met you yet, my name is John Cavell, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here. Uh, this morning, before we jump in any further, um, because this is Veterans Day weekend, um, if you have served your country as a member of the armed services, either in the past or are currently, we'd like to I'd ask you just, you don't have to stand up, just raise your hand, let us know that you're here. Great. And we honor you, commend you, <laughs> applaud you. And thank you. So be sure to uh, thank a vet anytime, anywhere. I always try to. So this morning, uh, we're going to continue the series that's already started called Tis the Season, right there. And uh, today we're going to talk about something that we all look forward to during the holiday season, conflict. And specifically, Family conflict. <laughs> I know everyone's going, someone was like, ah, and then it's like, oh. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. And, you know, and I'm not meaning to imply at all that any of you are handling it wrong. I'm not meaning to imply that. You may have already concluded it, and you may infer it from what I say, but I don't necessarily mean to imply it, and I'm lying as I say that. So just so you know. But what does it take to make you mad? What does it take to create a conflict? What does it take to change or end a relationship? <clears throat> For a lot of years, I worked with single adults, and I, was, I remember talking with a, a young woman who uh, was mentioning how she was no longer friends with someone with whom she had been friends a long time. And I said, oh, well, what happened? She said, well, one time I was, I was in the ladies' room, and as she walked in, she gave me a look, a dirty look. And I'm like, wow. I said, well, all I can say is I just hope no one would judge me based on my facial expression as I'm walking into the bathroom because sometimes I'm under a lot of stress at that point. <laughs> so I said, maybe give her the benefit of the doubt and maybe the look wasn't about you. But, you know, it's, I'm, I wanna give you, in fact, I'm, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm sorry I'm, sorry I'm stuttering. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna break a rule of speaking, okay? What, what you're supposed to do, and I've been to the seminars, I've read the books, I've watched the videos, you're supposed to start out with a snappy introduction, some kind of story, something kind of humorous that might sort of cryptically relate to where you're going to go, and then you're going to connect that later on, wrap a bow around it, and everybody goes, oh, I see what he did. That was really cool. I ain't going to do that. Um, what I'm going to do, actually, is I'm going to give you the conclusion. I'm going to give you the takeaway right now, because what I want you to do is I want you to use this throughout as we go. So basically, the big, overarching, undergirding, pervasive point and principle is one question. What about you? What about you? That is my main point today. So if you don't get anything else from this sermon, what about you? And so if you're sitting next to somebody who kind of gives you all, you're not listening, then you can say, but he already Okay, so you have my permission to tune out until the very end. But let's try to stay 
you know, with me, just in case. But anyway, what about you? That's what I want you to be asking yourself through this whole thing. So I want to first start off with a couple common myths about conflict. These aren't myths that always occur or are always true in every situation, but they happen a lot. The first one is this. None of this is my fault. I've said this. I've heard others say this. You know, it's all that other person. None of this is my fault. Okay? That's one myth. Common, not necessarily always, but common. Another one is he or she makes me mad. I remember when I was a little kid and I said that, and my mom said, Nobody makes you mad. You allow yourself to get mad. That made me madder. That just made me mad at my mom in addition to the other person I was mad at. And the next one is this. God agrees with me. He must agree with me because I'm right. I mean, if I was wrong, I would change my view and my position. But I'm not wrong. I'm convinced I'm right. And so I'm sure that God knows I'm right because if I'm right, then God would know this, correct? So, if I'm right, then God probably agrees with me. And so we think like that, we talk like that, we pray like that. Like God, you know what a jerk that guy is. Help me know what to do. And God's probably going, oh, where do I start? (laughs) So, here's the deal. So those are just common myths, but I want to give you four things this morning Basically, what God says about my conflict and anger. Four things that God says about my conflict and anger. And the first thing is this. My anger is my responsibility. My anger is my responsibility. God places the responsibility for how I express my anger, what I get angry about, and what I do with it squarely on my shoulders. No one else is responsible for my anger. No one else is to blame for my anger. In Ephesians chapter 4, a really easy verse if you're into memorizing Scripture, which I know some of you are, be angry and do not sin. Now, some people say, well, anger is always a sin. Well, then that means God sins throughout the Old Testament like crazy (laughs) because he gets angry a lot. Be angry and do not sin. So if we are sinning in our anger, it's because we have chosen to. God is not necessarily wrong to be angry about something, but we get, we get in our own way when we allow our anger to lead us into thoughts, words, and actions that are contrary to God and what he wants for us in our lives. So be angry, but don't sin. If you say, well, I don't know if I can be angry about this and not sin, well, then you need to dial that anger back. We're going to talk about that a little bit more as we go. Second thing is this. Maybe I invite conflict with my words. Maybe I invite conflict 
with my words. Book of Proverbs again says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh words stirs up anger. It's interesting how someone can say something and you can be thinking in your mind, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I wonder if I should say that out loud. Especially if we're at a family holiday dinner celebration. Sometimes in almost every family, there's somebody who maybe has, holds very strong opinions, is very passionate, maybe about social or political causes. And so somebody says something, and there's this little switch that gets flipped in their head. And maybe they're young, maybe they don't care, or, but they just got to say something. And they say that thing that all of a sudden everybody at the table shuts up, and it's that <gasps> awkward moment. And then someone else maybe is the same way, and now you got an argument at the table. Um, I remember I was sitting in a group of people. It was actually a, a community group setting. And at the end of the table, two people were engaged in a conversation that became, became quite clear that they disagreed with one another. And then there was a third person sitting between them. And so they're going back and forth, and this third person finally just gets up and walks to the other end of the table, and they didn't even notice. They just kept going at it, okay? A harsh word stirs up anger. So sometimes we got to ask ourselves, if, are we stirring up somebody's anger? Now, we could say, hey, nobody makes you mad, but you could get stirred up by somebody and then decide what to do with that, or maybe you say something that stirs up someone else. And often, you probably knew before you said it that it was going to have that effect, especially when it's family, right? Okay, nobody's going to agree with me on anything. Good. Yeah, that's, that's great. The next thing from Proverbs in that same light says, a fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. I knew a guy who probably could have made this his life verse in high school. His name was Virgil. Virgil was not a fighter. He wasn't built like a fighter. He didn't have the temperament of a fighter. He just wasn't a fighter. But he was really mouthy. And he would say stuff, and, you know, we'd be at a school event. Maybe it's a dance or a game or something. And we'd be standing around chatting, and all of a sudden, Virgil gets thrown on the floor right in front of us. <clears throat> there's Virgil. And then there's a guy who's a fighter, <laughs> who's good at it, standing up. Virgil's on the ground. And we know exactly what just happened. Virgil said something stupid to a guy who could kick his butt, and he did. It happened a lot. There were times we thought, should we help him? No, he brings it on himself. Let him do it. You know, he knows what's going to happen. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. Maybe not a physical beating like Virgil did, but maybe a verbal one. Sometimes we've got to ask ourselves, when we know we can stir somebody up with something that we say, create an argument, create a conflict. Are we willing to own that? Okay, next thing is this. 
Third thing that God says about my conflict and my anger is this. Calm down. Just calm down. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm wound up and I've got a lot to say about something and I'm, I'm getting angry and somebody says, dude, just calm down. That does not calm me down. In fact, it just makes me worse. <laughs> it makes me less calm. It makes me the opposite of calm. It bugs me. So anybody, can anybody relate to this or are you just going to leave me twisted in the wind here? Okay, good. Thank you very much. Yeah. Don't tell me to calm down. I mean, you probably need to occasionally, but I can tell you that don't work. But and apparently for several of you, it doesn't. It's interesting in the book of James, he writes this about how we respond to people. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's stop right there. Often when we're in a conflict, maybe it's a discussion that's starting to turn a little bit contentious, maybe it's starting to become argumentative, and you're listening to the other person speak, but not really listening to what they're saying, what you're listening for is for them to take a breath. Because if you can, if you're ready, when they're saying something, as soon as they take a breath, that's when you jump in, right? Because you already know what you're going to say. You're not really responding to what they're currently saying. You've already decided what to say. They're going to take a breath or they pause for the sake of emphasis. Bad idea in an argument. Okay? If you want to pause, you go, and that's how I feel about that. And you're just going to stare them down. Boom, they're already in. They're saying something they've been thinking about. They didn't even hear what you just said. Because they're slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. It's kind of like a math formula. Quick to listen plus slow to speak equals slow to become angry. But the inverse is true as well. Slow to listen or not listen at all. Quick to speak and quick equals, I'm sorry, slow to listen, quick to speak equals quick anger. And so God is laying it out saying, you want to keep yourself from becoming angry when you're in an argument with somebody? Calm down. Dial it back. Listen to what that person is actually saying instead of just thinking about what you want to say. Calm down. Another thing that's important is you've got to listen not just to their words, but to their intent. If you're in a family conflict kind of situation, you probably know that person well enough to know how they really feel and what they're really thinking and what they're really trying to say regardless of the actual verbiage. In our Renew the Vow workshops, uh, one of the things we talk about a lot is communication and conflict in relationships. I'll talk about that more in a little bit. And one of the things we talk about is with, with your partner, with the person you're in this relationship with, do you know them well enough to know what they mean, not just knowing what they said? And most of the time, especially as two people have been together a long time, they do. 
I remember one time I had a couple sitting across from me, because I spend a lot of time in those kind of situations, had a couple sitting across from me, and she says, well, he is obviously unaware that we're building a house in three days, and we're moving in. And I said, oh, well, that's not good. And so I looked at him, I said, are you aware that you're moving into a house in three days? And he goes, yeah. And I said, he says he's aware of that. Did you know? Do you think he really did? Well, I know. And I said, okay. I said, so what do you think she really meant when she said that? And I asked her, what do you think is really the problem here? So we were able to get, push the words off the table and get behind the words and start dealing with what is really driving these hurtful words. And there were frustrations, but they were things that we could talk about and we could actually work on. But because sometimes we're quick to speak, we just want to quickly take a shot, and so we do, and we end up doing more damage. So sometimes you've got to take a breath, calm down, slow down, and listen to that other person. Not just their words, but listen for what's behind the words, what's driving the words. Okay, this is an important one. The fourth thing is this, that God says about conflict and anger, no name-calling. So now I'm going to help you do something that I just told you you shouldn't do. If you are ever in a situation where you would like to call somebody something that sounds really bad but isn't, I'm going to help you out here. Call them a fricative diphthong, because that sounds bad, doesn't it? Okay, does anybody know what a fricative is? Okay, a fricative is a letter or combination of letters that sound like th or th, like an F or PH or a TH. That's a fricative. Google it. <laughs> but I already know this, okay? A fricative is just, that's what a fricative is. A diphthong is when you have two letters that make one sound, like O-I, oi, like that, okay? There's no such thing as a fricative diphthong. Okay, because a fricative is not going to give you two vowels. But you can call somebody that, and it sounds bad. It's like, what is he, some kind of fricative diphthong? What's wrong with you? <laughs> and they go, I can't believe he called me that. He called me a fricative and, and a diphthong. It's like, it's not that bad. It could have been a lot worse. I mean, I, I've been called a lot worse, I can tell you that. But anyway, all that is to say, that's just to have for free. You can have that. Now I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't say things like that. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this. He said, everyone who is angry with his brother, and this does, and it's using the male pronoun there, but it means everyone. It doesn't just mean men, ladies, sorry. It means you too. Everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, fool, will be subject to the Sanhedrin, or who were the governors of the... Uh, religious law. But whoever says you moron will be subject to hellfire. Now, before I go any further, I've got to put a little context on this. Okay? These people, Jesus is speaking to people who are, are operating under what we call the Mosaic law. Okay? God sent Jesus, God in human flesh, to die on the cross for every sin ever committed by every person who's ever lived and experience the full weight and impact of each one. But that hadn't yet happened. 
before that happened, the only scale of measuring how bad something was or how evil something was, was how it measured up or stacked up against the Mosaic law. And so these people are still working in that system. So this is before Jesus died on the cross, where they could experience full forgiveness and the knowledge and the certainty and the security of knowing that if they died today, they'd be in heaven with him. So this is before that. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, look, you call your friend a fool, you call someone a moron, that's bad. That's really bad. But we don't think it's that bad. We really don't. I mean, how many times throughout a given week do, in a conversation, talking about a third person, do you refer to somebody with a word that's the equivalent of fool or moron? We do it all the time. And especially with family. You know, once everybody's kind of in the house and you got some people in the kitchen, you got some people in the living room, you got a few people out in the backyard, and people start getting chatty. And usually the people in one location are talking about somebody in one of the other locations. Okay? And names get thrown around. Right? Has anybody experienced this? Okay, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Me and one other person down here, I think. <laughs> So here's what I want to do. I'm going to play a little game. We're going to play a little game of fill in the blank. I'm going to make a statement, and then it's going to leave space for a word. I don't want you to say the word that comes to mind. I just want you to raise your hand when one does. Okay? It could be a phrase you've heard. It could be a phrase you've said. Just when a word comes to mind, raise your hand. Don't say it out loud. Just warning. Okay? So... Someone's in a conversation, she says, oh, she is such a little, God bless you, I see that hand, God bless you, I see that hand. (laughs) Okay, so we're not on unfamiliar ground here, are we? I'll give you one more. Uh, Why does he always have to be such a, ooh, those went up fast, good. So you guys know what I'm talking about here, right? We all experience this. Sometimes we're the someone saying it. Sometimes we're the one listening to it. Sometimes we're just nodding in agreement. You know, my mom uh, is kind of an amateur painter. And she paints these, these paintings. She'll give us paintings. She used to give us paintings every now and then. But what, what would you think if it turned out I was talking to somebody and my mom was kind of coming around into the room but didn't quite get there and she heard me telling somebody, oh my gosh, my mom's paintings are horrible. They're so stupid. I can't, I mean, I hate looking at them. I mean, what would you think, what do you, how do you think my mom would feel if she heard that? Bad? Yeah, yeah, she would. But yet, it doesn't occur to us that when we are talking to somebody insulting them, denigrating them, or talking about somebody and using terms like that, it doesn't occur to us that the one who created them is listening. That God, who created that person you're talking about, is listening and can hear you when you say they're stupid, or they're a moron, or why they always have to be like that, or their jokes are never funny, or why can't they be better at this, or they're no good at that. And how often are we insulting somebody 
especially for the way God made them. And God's listening in going, I created that person. If we would feel insulted and hurt personally to listen to somebody else denigrating something we created, why do we think God doesn't feel the same way? And so we're coming back around to the first thing I said. What about you? Because I know we're all thinking, maybe we're thinking about ourselves, but we're all probably, and it's hard not to, thinking about someone else who does this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah my, yeah, my brother's just like that, or my brother-in-law, or my cousin, or whatever. But what about you? But what about you? In Romans chapter 12, in verse 18, It says this, so far or as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God doesn't say, look, as far as long as these people that you're related to don't act like total morons and jerks, then live at peace with them. No, he says, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me. So can I say, that I'm doing all I can to be at peace, and especially with the family, you know? Because, you know, you get into a conflict or say something awkward at one Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner, and then suddenly at the next one, they're using name tags on the seats. Do you, ever, you don't want to be the reason that there's assigned seating at a holiday because we can't put you next to this one over here because you know what will happen, okay? You don't want to be that person. You never want to be the the root cause of a rule. (laughs) It's like, you know, when you're at work and there's all these odd, just kind of pile of policies, things you can't do. They always have a person. There's a history to each one, right? You know, and you could put a name to them. (laughs) You don't want to be that guy or that girl. You don't want to be that person. Well, we didn't need to. You didn't used to need name tags. Well, we do now. So here's the thing. Things you could ask yourself, like, what about you? Well, am I doing what I can to be at peace? Am I owning my anger and how I express it? Am I looking at that other person as someone who's just as valuable to God as I am? Am I dialing it back? Am I listening not only to their words, but listening for their intent? Something I do want to talk about is this is a lot of what we do in a workshop called Renew the Vow. And uh, this time around, it's open to couples. They're married, engaged, or serious, whatever that means. Engaged to be engaged, seriously dating. We're engaged, but there's no date, whatever. Okay, you know, it's, it's cool. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, we don't need to do that. Our relationship is already good. Okay, well, that's like saying, no, my car's in good shape. I don't need an oil change. You see, a big part of what we do in this workshop is not only helping people get tools where they can fix things, but giving people tools to keep things good. 
to fix some of the little things, to tighten things up, okay? But it's coming up. It's going to be Friday, November 22nd in the evening, Saturday, November 23rd during the day. Uh, it's $20 per couple, but if that's too much, don't worry about it. Sign up anyway. You can go to that URL, or you can email me, all right? Um, and I would just say this. If one person in the couple says, hey, we should go do that, and the other person says, we don't need to do that, we're fine. You're not fine. <laughs> You're not fine. <laughs> to go, do it. Go do it, okay? Because if one person wants to go to something like that and the other person doesn't want to go, you probably need to go, okay? Even if it's just to score points, get leverage, whatever it is, um, <laughs> go. All right. Um, what you can do also, if you want to get more information, is you can pull out one of these one Next Steps cards, okay? And on the back, fill in that information and write a word that sounds like you would like to participate in this. You could write renew, you could write vow, you could write relationships, you can write he's a jerk, whatever. <laughs> and you can drop it in one of those metal boxes by the exit on the way out or drop it off at direct and connect on your way out. Okay, but, you know, or you can go to, the, oh, it's not there. Oh, yeah, okay, but you, there's that URL. Go to the website or email me, john at dsbc.church, or just call the church and ask for me, um, and they'll put us in touch one way or the other, okay? What's the big point here? Yes, thank you. All right, we're done. I'm going to close this up. God, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your love and forgiveness. God, thank you that you put us next to people often that as much as they irritate us, as much as they bother us, as much as we disagree with so much of what they say, you put us there and expect us to be better than our default settings would tell us. You expect good things from us because we're capable of good things. God, your word never lays out or sets out before us, never asks us to accomplish something that you're not willing to empower us to experience. And so, God, I pray for each person here that maybe we think about conflict, think about the holidays coming up, Think about the situations we're going to be in at work, with family, with friends, throughout the week, whenever it happens. The God that we could experience and deal with conflicting situations better. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.